going on? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, March the 8th, 2021. This is episode 56 of the show. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so many, many ways for you to find this program. If you're somebody who listens audio only, you've got Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, In The Money Podcast, you name it, basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find this show, along with all the other programs that are produced by In The Money Media. I would also just encourage you to head on over to InTheMoneyPodcast.com, whether you listen to the shows over there or not, simply because there is great content produced all throughout the week written analysis, all sorts of different good things over on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also take a look and see what else there is as far as offerings are concerned within the Money Plus. Yeah, a little bit of a fee, but you're going to get exclusive content that you can't just get over on the website. So be sure to check that out. If you're somebody who watches over on YouTube, like so many of you do, uh, head on over to YouTube, search bar, Matt Bernier Show. You'll find this episode along with the 55 prior. I feel like there's a diehard group of folks who watch over on YouTube. And then there are the folks who we end up having more people listen as far as the podcasts go. And I understand it's much more mobile and things like that. I feel like episodes like this and really just kind of this time of the year, if you are someone who only listens to the audio, I would encourage you to check out the YouTube video because these are the sort of shows that I think Evergreen might not, I wouldn't say Evergreen in the truest sense. But when we go through and we look at Kentucky Derby prep races and we just talk about reviews in general, because that's what the show is going to be this week. Episode 56 is an old school review. Those of you that used to watch along and listen when I was over at the Racing Forum doing the sort of recap shows, that's exactly what this week is. There's going to be very little handicapping for what's to come. It's going to be a great deal of looking back at what we saw this past weekend, specifically with the three-year-olds. And we'll get more into that in a little bit. But if you are someone who listens audio only, I would encourage you to check out the YouTube channel simply because you're going to get to see some of the replays and see some of the spots that maybe I interpret as important or noteworthy or things that you can incorporate into your handicapping going forward. Then you can always refer back to them. And I think that's always one of the, the, the nice things about something like YouTube or any other video piece of this. So uh, basically, in a nutshell, we're going to be looking back at the San Felipe from Santa Anita Park, the Tampa Bay Derby from Tampa Bay Downs, and the Gotham from Aqueduct. And then there'll be a quick segment at the end looking at the two grade ones out in Southern California, the Kilroe Mile as well as the Santa Anita Handicap. TBD, if there's going to be video on those two, may just be sort of a rapid fire reaction piece to that. But the vast majority of this episode is going to be diving into the three derby preps and what does it mean going forward? There will be no Friday feature this week. Uh, There were two folks who correctly identified the winner last week via the draw. Gary Mannion was the winner. Unfortunately, I never heard back from Gary. Another person who correctly identified the winner was Michael Bryant. So what I'd like to do for next week anyway, it's going to be as simple as this. Those two individuals, you can email me at bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. Let me know if you're available for next Monday to go over the Friday feature. But I also would like one other person, and it can be any listener, You're going to have to leave your sort of entry beneath the video player on YouTube. And all you need to do is just write Friday feature. That's it. Nothing more than that. Because worst case scenario, the two individuals who were correct last week, they don't get back. And if you are the one chosen from the folks who just throw their their name in the hat, well, then you know what you got? You're going to be on next week. You don't even have to win the contest, as is sort of the the standard situation going forward with this thing. Uh, Best case scenario, those two gentlemen as well as anyone who ends up being selected from the folks who get involved beneath the video player on YouTube this week. We can have four people, and we will be discussing some sort of multi-race sequence, in all likelihood to pick four. And we can kind of do uh, a similar exercise to what we've done in some of these other past episodes in recent memory. So that's where things stand with the Friday feature. You want to be involved next week, hopefully along with both Gary Mannion and Michael Bryant. You need to leave a comment beneath the video player on YouTube. And all it needs to say for you to officially be entered is Friday feature. Doesn't need to be anything else other than that. But by all means, I like to hear comments about thoughts on the races that are discussed on the show, thoughts about other horses who I may have missed, whether you agree, disagree, whatever it may be. The more interaction, the better. And this goes across all the platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. So, with all that being said, let's actually get into it now. Let's go back and we'll take a look at what 
well, I'll just, the cat's out of the bag. Not only was it one of the fastest prep races we've seen for the Kentucky Derby in many, many years, uh, for my money, it is far and away going to be the most important prep. At least it is to date, and I'll be stunned if it's not going forward. The most important prep for the 2021 Kentucky Derby season, the San Felipe from Santa Anita. Let's go back and take a look at that from this past Saturday. San Felipe at Santa Anita on Saturday. Perhaps, I don't want to say turn the, the Derby prep season on its ear, but in many ways change the complexion of things anyway, depending on if you believe life is good can continue on at this rate, because if he does, it's going to be very difficult for anyone to beat him. That includes the two-year-old champion of Central Quality. That includes Greatest Honor down in South Florida. That includes anyone. Because if this is what this horse is and potentially could be, boy, it's going to be tough to get by him. They break from the gate. You're going to see down on the inside, that is the number one life is good with Mike Smith aboard. They're going to go right to the front. No surprise there. The horse that takes up sort of the, let's call it the stalking position, but also a little bit of teamwork here. Medina Spirit and John Velasquez, they're going to float out to about the 3-4 path. Make sure that you give life is good every opportunity to just sort of settle into himself, find that stride. Very similar to what we saw with Arrowgate back in the 2016 Travers, where a little bit of teamwork, give him a little bit of a opening down on the inside, make sure he can clear off and go to the front. 23-3 and three for the opening quarter, 46-4 and four for the opening half. What, all things considered pretty reasonable fractions for this kind of horse of this talent level specifically. You also see a couple other runners in here. The number two is Dreamshake. First-time winners, first-time two turns for Peter Erton after a very impressive career debut victory. And then the seven. That'll be the other horse we'll touch on. That's Roman Centurion trying to rally from the back of the pack. He's always going to be up against it in Southern California. We'll get into that a little bit more when we see the race in its entirety. At this point, you're going to see Mike Smith's moving very comfortably. Dreamshake looks like he's going to make a bit of a move to try to get into contention. He ultimately flattens out down the lane, and that's another piece that we'll dive into after we've seen and let the dust settle. But you're about to see just a complete blowout performance from Life is Good. He puts the boots to this field, wins by eight lengths, stops the clock in 142.18, ultimately leads to a 107 buyer speed figure and a 130 time form U.S. rating. These are astronomical figures for a three-year-old at the beginning of March of their campaign. This is a massive, massive performance from this racehorse. Now, I'm going to get into the sort of, uh, no, let's call it nuts and bolts anyway. The the nitpicking, if you will. I was on ABR's uh, live stream on Saturday with Dan Torgman, Bram Weinstein, among others. And, and Bram got a kick out of the fact that I was trying to find faults in this performance after it happened. But I think that's what you're supposed to do with a horse who is going to be 1-10 to 10 in his next start, probably closer to 1-20. to 20. And if he gets through that start, he's probably, what, 8-5 to five in the Kentucky Derby? Somewhere thereabouts? Keep in mind, life is good is only making his third lifetime start. In his second lifetime start, first time going two turns, that was the Sham Stakes, which Medina Spirit made that late run, and it looked like it was really, really close, when in reality, it wasn't close at all. Life is Good got very green at the end of that race and just sort of pulled himself up. It led me to make the comparison, that race specifically, the Sham, comparing it to the 2020 Haskell, in which Authentic was clear by four lengths, it looks like New York traffic makes this big late move, when in reality, that was never the case. Authentic was his own worst enemy and just got kind of goofy out there on the front end. I feel like that's exactly what we saw in the sham with Life is Good. I think he's very green. Now, when you, in that kind of context, in that thought, keep an eye on a couple things here with Life is Good. Remember onto the backside first time through. They come off the first turn, and you're going to see right here, he floats out into the middle of the track if you'll recall and you can find the replays of it this is exactly the same thing authentic did in the haskell on his own volition floated out into the three four path mainly because he's just green and kind of goofy out there a big baby nothing wrong with that just doesn't mentally have it all together just yet for this horse to do what he does and not have all of the mental sorts figured out is a scary proposition for anyone because theoretically, the more mature you get mentally, the better off you're going to be. You're going to be able to keep to your task at hand 
And if that's the case, you're not going to see him change leads early like he does here. And again, fractionally early. I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking because you have to nitpick these sort of things. I think you're supposed to. He's going to change leads fractionally early, not not terribly, right about there, a little early. And then he's going to float well out into the middle of the racetrack. And you don't see that from Bob Baffert trained horses. You just don't. It's not typical anyway. Authentic did it. Authentic ended up being a very, very nice racehorse when all was said and done, but it took him some time to go through that maturation process. With this horse right here, the difference is, I think he very, I think there are very, very real comparisons between the two. Life is good and authentic. The difference is, I think you can make a legitimate argument that life is good is considerably more talented naturally than authentic is and was. And I don't say that lightly. Authentic won the Kentucky Derby in the Breeders' Cup Classic last year. And I think there's a legitimate case to be made that life is good is a considerably more talented horse naturally. That he, he doesn't have the experience... He doesn't have age on his side. He doesn't have any of this sort of stuff on his side at this point. He's run three times. But some of the numbers that he's produced already make him a freak of nature in the best way possible. I think he'll iron this stuff out in time. Now, the interesting piece to that becomes, well, how much time does he need to get that stuff ironed out? And to take it another step... Does it make a difference when he's 10 lengths clear? The water will get deeper. I think this is the best field that has been assembled for a derby prep in 2021. I know some people, I'm quite surprised actually to see how many people have said, oh yeah, but you know, he beat a terrible field. Let's see what happens, you know, when he gets to Louisville. Well, Louisville, yeah, you're going to get the best of the best from all jurisdictions. But in my opinion, this group of horses that he beat is the best field that's been assembled thus far. I think Medina Spirit is legitimately a top three or four three-year-old. I think he's a very talented horse. He's another one that has a little bit of maturing to do, but you're seeing those moves forward, those steps forward, as far as kind of polishing it up a little bit. I think he's a legitimate talent. Any other year, he's probably not vying for favoritism with the central quality, but he's he is that next tier. He is that sort of two, three, four, five category. The problem is he's eight lengths behind his uncoupled stablemate as is right now. And it feels like life is good is only going to get better. And I know some folks want to look at it and say a race like this, this early in a horse's campaign can take some of the starch out of him. There's no question about it. It can definitely, it can definitely knock him back a bit. But to me, it's more to do with the fact that he still doesn't, in my opinion, know what he's doing. I think there's reason to believe that when he actually focuses and really kind of gets keyed in, that he's only going to get better. And that's a terrifying prospect. Let's talk about some of the horses that finished behind life is good before we get back to him and button this thing up. Dream Shakedown on the inside. I think this was a good effort all around for him for the first time going a route of ground and the first time taking on winners. I thought for a moment here at the top of the lane, he was going to be a very clear-cut second-place finisher. And he ended up flattening out and faded to third. Well, what do you want to do with that? To me, it's, it's, it's a product of two things. That maybe this distance first time through got to him a little bit. He was also a little keen down the backside beneath Joel. He pulled himself into the race probably a little earlier than ideal. But in this in this position right here, you can see he's starting to get tired. I'm not going to hold that against him. I think this is a very productive effort. I think he's going to move forward out of this. I would love the connections, and it sounds like this is something that they're considering. It sounds like the Santa Anita Derby is on the table, but I would love them to send him to Keeneland and run in the bluegrass because I think he would be a legitimate player in there. Medina Spirit. If you'll recall, in the most recent run, the Bob Lewis, right around this point in the race, he had already changed over to his right lead, and it looked like Roman Centurion and Hot Rod Charlie were going to go right on by, and instead he re-engages in deep stretch and holds them off. That, to me, signified a horse that was still kind of green, kind of goofy. Well, you're going to notice, just from a mechanical standpoint, he does everything very on cue. He waits here, turn, change leads, digs in, 
passes this horse. You're going to see the ears go up just before the wire, but all things considered, I thought this was a step forward from that most recent run in the Bob Lewis. And again, I think this is the kind of horse that any other year, you're probably talking about a viable alternative to a horse like Essential Quality. He's got figs, he's got seasoning, he's got the connections, all of these things. If you take life is good out of the equation, Medina Spirit, in all likelihood, has won the Sham, the Bob Lewis, and the San Felipe. You know, it's not his fault that he's just run into a freak of nature in these two races. So I think Medina Spirit is the goods. I would love them to send him to Arkansas for the Arkansas Derby. Get him away from life is good. He doesn't need to run into him ever again, or at least until the Derby anyway. As far as Roman Centurion back here is concerned, if you'll recall, I said it after that race. I like to try to identify horses who I believe are running in the wrong jurisdiction. And when I say that, it's not that I think that they, you know, when I, I don't mean that they're in the wrong jurisdiction. I mean, for them to actually get the most out of their ability, they can't run here because this is a track and this is a circuit, including Del Mar, that trying to come from way out of it is just not, it's just not going to work long-term. Maybe you'll pick up a couple of them, but to maximize potential, I think a horse like Roman Centurion needs to get out of Southern California and get to the East Coast. I personally would love to see him in the Wood Memorial. I think that's at least from what I've read on the table. You'll see him. He just picks up some pieces here late, but I get the impression he'll run all day. And when you look at the landscape of things, that running style is never going to work in Southern California, specifically Santa Anita. You don't want to run into life as good again. You send him to Aqueduct over a track that's yielding very slow times. It's a tiring surface. And outside of a horse like risk-taking, and depending on what you think of him, who are you terrified of? I would love to see him go to New York and, and take your chances there. Will it work? Who knows? But I think you're at least giving yourself every opportunity to be successful as opposed to running him back in Southern California. I just don't think he's gonna, you're going to get the most out of that racehorse down there at Santa Anita or at Del Mar. So when it comes down to the numbers, a 107 buyer for life is good. A 130 time form U.S. rating is what I saw. Medina Spirit a 95, Dream Shake a 91, Roman Centurion an 86. I believe these numbers are on the conservative side. I think you could move all of them up three to four to maybe even five points. Um, if you want to use the 20-point differential between the Timeform US ratings and the buyer scale, there's your 110 or so. And that would, again, kind of be on par with, you know, if you tacked on three points, let's say. And this is a, a, a very easy way without going into all the actual, you know, the minutia of how the figures are created because I had some folks sending me, oh, well, you know, other races, the, the final times have been much faster. It's all relative to the times that the racetrack is yielding and then comparing those to the par level the or the, the par for the level, the average time that this group would typically produce. So it, it, tracks can be sped up and slowed down depending on maintenance or weather or a number of different things. For this given day, it seemed abundantly clear when I was on the, the ABR stream that this was going to be an off-the-charts fast race because all you needed to do, and you needed the whole day in its entirety to really kind of confirm one way or the other, but every other dirt race yielded times that you would kind of expect that were very much on par, made sense. And the, the real race to sort of compare this race to given that it was at a mile and a 16th, was the second race on the card at a mile and a 16th for older allowance types. A horse called Mastering, one for Baffert. He's typically a low 90, high 80 type. He clocked 143.86 compared to the 142.18 here for Life is Good. I mean, you're talking about eight to nine lengths difference right there. And no surprise, well, I shouldn't say this. No surprise. I think Based on what those horses are capable of running, Bold Endeavor, the runner-up, he earned a 91. His most recent start, he earned a 94. Kershaw, he earned an 84. His most recent start, he earned a 91. And I get it, that was a few months back. But I mean, this is a horse who is typically in that high 80, low 90 range. I think there's reason to believe those numbers could be ticked up a little bit. And then, accordingly, you you tick up the numbers you're looking at on the screen right now a little bit. Life is good, goes up into that 110 range. 
that 111 range. Medina Spirit, if you added three to four points to the 95 that he officially earned on the buyer scale here for this race, that puts him at a 98 or a 99, which is the same number he earned in the Sham three starts back, a 99. Dream Shake in his career debut, he earned a 96. If you tack on three to four points, that 91 all of a sudden goes to a 94 or a 95, which is very close to equaling what he did just a few weeks ago. Same goes for Roman Centurion. 86 here on Saturday. He earned a 91 in that most recent start in the Bob Lewis. Give him four or five more. He effectively replicated that most recent start. So I think there's reason to believe, if you want, to say that this number, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's on the conservative side, that it could even be faster than what is published, which then led me to go down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole. And, and if you follow me on Twitter, there's a thread out there. On Monday, I was just curious. I'm going through and trying to trying to put it into context of just how fast this race was for Life is Good. Horses this age at this time of year, they don't they don't run that fast. They, they just don't. And for him to do it the way that he did, I, I think it's an indicator of what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a, a potentially a special talent. Justify is the first name that many people, I'm sure, will come to mind. Uh, in February of his three-year-old campaign, his career debut, he earned a 104. Came back and earned a 101 in March. A 107. So the same 107 that Life is Good earned, he earned that in the Santa Anita Derby. So it took him an extra month to earn this fig. And again, I, in my opinion, in my opinion, in my opinion, draw a line through that bold that, in my opinion, this 107 buyer is a conservative 107. Could be closer to 110, 111, 112. Uh, American Pharaoh, granted he had a significant foundation, not significant, but he had enough of a foundation as a two-year-old. He didn't make his three-year-old debut until the middle of March. He earned a 100 buyer, came back in April in the Arkansas Derby, 105, equaled that in the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, he earned a 102, and then the Belmont Stakes, he earned a 105. Not going to get into the back half of this, the campaign for that year because it, it doesn't apply to what I'm talking about here. But point is, he didn't run as fast as life as good has already run. Not comparing them, not saying he's going to turn into American Pharaoh, just stating facts. Authentic, who I, I really genuinely believe there are proper similarities between these two horses. Authentic didn't earn a number this fast until winning the Breeders' Cup Classic last November. He didn't earn a triple-digit buyer until July. Now, I brought up sort of the goofiness and the greenness thing. Authentic was the big winner of the the altered COVID schedule of 2020 because I don't think he would have won the Kentucky Derby if it was run the first Saturday in May because of his greenness. That could potentially be to the detriment of life is good. If you're trying to find these little holes, you're trying to find a reason to play against a 1-10 to shot or the first Saturday in May, an 8-5 to shot or a 7-5 to shot against 19 other horses... If he hasn't, if he doesn't show in the Santa Anita Derby that mentally he is taking those steps forward, then maybe you're drawing up a scenario in which, look, he's going to go to a track that he's never seen before, Churchill Downs. He's going to ship out of California for the first time, A, to Churchill Downs, B, in front of some crowd. I don't know how large it'll be, but it'll be a decent enough size. That's C. D. This massive monstrosity of a property with a wicked board that looks like, you know, something that you pulled from AT&T Stadium in Dallas. So if he's getting distracted by the, the, the big screen in the infield at Santa Anita, what, what's he going to think when he sees that thing towering over the racetrack in Louisville? And you're going to have 19 other horses that you're running with. I'm not in a rush to bet against this horse. I think he... Again, the reason I'm going through and bringing up some of these names is to just kind of hammer home. We're not talking about a common performance that we see. This is not something that typically happens this time of year to this extent. But you're supposed to nitpick these sort of things. We're getting closer and closer to the NFL draft. You're supposed to go through and try to find reasons to knock certain quarterbacks that may or may not end up being the bee's knees at the next level. You find some kid like Trey Lance who un looks like a million dollars against entirely inferior. Well, 
Is that going to translate? That's up to you as the handicapper because it's effectively what these draft people are doing. GMs, front office personnel, you're handicapping. You're trying to figure out who's going to be the one that fits at the next level. You get somebody like Mac Jones who, look, won the national championship, basically had an all-star team in front of him to play with. Well, is he that good or did he play that well because of the team or because he's actually that good? These are the sort of things. So it's not just the horse racing thing. Oh, you know, he won by 100. What are you What are you complaining about? It's not complaining, A. B, it's just trying. You're just analyzing the situation. And you're looking for things that could potentially be red flags going forward. All that being said, I don't even know if it matters because he's that much faster than everyone else, including essential quality to this point. We're not talking a length faster. He's lengths faster than the two-year-old champion at this point. And I just said last week, and I believe this, essential quality could be a superstar. But he's got lengths, plural, to make up if this is what this horse is. Lengths. Not a length. Lengths. Other horses that I quick ran through trying to find some sort of a comparison. Firing line in Dortmund, they, a little bit they fit just based on the numbers that they earned as early as they did in their three-year-old season. Firing Line and Dortmund both earned 104s in February. Uh, they came back in March in different races, a 103 and a 104. Uh, Dortmund earned a 106 in April. You know, uh, you've got 104, 103, 101. None of them earned 107s. Maximum Security, I mean, he, he didn't earn a, a figure this fast until the Cigar Mile. And we know that, you know, again, don't need to go down the maximum security hole. Tis the law. I mean, he he did. He earned a 109, which is a gaudy number. That that came in August. To this point in February, he earned a 100. In late March, he earned a 96. In June, he earned a 100. I mean, he's not sniffing a 107. And I, I can't underscore it enough, a conservative 107. The two that I kept coming back to that seemed to make the most sense, in my opinion, were Bodie Meister and California Chrome. Bodie Meister didn't debut until the middle of January of his three-year-old season. He earned an 82 in the de- in the debut. Came back and earned a 101 in February, a 101 in March, a 108 in April, a 99 the first Saturday in May, which in hindsight probably should have been faster given the way he and I'll have another ran in Baltimore just two weeks later where he earned a 109. So the timing isn't perfect, and again, kind of hammering the point that Bodie Meister earned a 101 at this point in his season, well short of the 107, if not higher, that life is good earned. He came back and earned a 108 in his next start. I'm not saying that life is good is going to earn a 108 in his next start, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And, And again, if you also prescribe to the idea that he's mentally not a completed project by a long shot. And if he gets it together even more, he could theoretically be better. That's a scary thought for everybody else. That's not named life is good. And everybody that's associated with him. And then the other horse again, uh, that I mentioned was California Chrome. Now Chrome is a little bit different because it seems like he ran 25 times as a two-year-old before he got to his three-year-old season. But from a figure standpoint to earn the numbers, he did as early as he did comparing to life is good his first start as a three-year-old he earned an 88 buyer he came back in the san felipe and earned a 108 so technically a point higher than what life is good did but very much in the same vein one by a hundred did it rather easily came back and won the sanity derby with a 107 buyer wins the kentucky derby with a 97 the preakness with a 105 the belmont stakes with a 98 and then he had some time off before the, uh, the poor effort in the Pennsylvania Derby and a 113 in the Breeders' Cup Classic that year. All I'm saying is what you saw on Saturday is atypical of even the best three-year-olds this time of year in recent memory. I had some folks you know, throw out other names from, from years farther back. Uh, I want revenge. Um, you go into uh, a horse like um, Escondrea. Who, who earned a giant fig, I believe, in the Wood Memorial, uh, Bellamy Road in the Wood Memorial. But again, we're, we're going farther back 
and not this early. It's still a month later. And a month may not sound like a lot, but it's still a month at a time when these three-year-olds are improving by leaps and bounds, start to start. So, no, I'm not sitting here telling you life is good is going to crank out a 120 in his next start. But it's just to hammer home the idea that what you saw on Saturday, I mean, that this is putting him, as far as numbers go, in in very interesting space. The only other horse that I could think of, and I didn't tweet about him in that thread, and unfortunately he, he delivered a giant performance and then he got hurt and we never saw him again, was Mastery. He's the only one, other one that I could think of. And if I forgot someone, please let me know beneath the comment section uh, on YouTube. But I just, it, it was a, a sparkling performance, but there was also enough in there that if you want to play devil's advocate, you can go through and say, you know what, you're going to need to do this a little bit better in the in the grand scheme of things. But it was also such an outrageous performance that the folks who just look at numbers and say, you got no shot, boys. Nobody else is going to run with you. And frankly, I can't really argue with you at this point. 107 buyer for Life is Good winning the San Felipe. And I'll give you just the, the sort of <laughs> the final thought for those next three runners. Medina Spirit, give me the Arkansas Derby. Dream Shake, give me the Bluegrass. Roman Centurion, give me the Wood Memorial. I think they all have legitimate chances to win those races, regardless of who shows up. If they all choose to come back in the Santa Anita Derby, I think they're running for second. Life is good, 107 buyer, 130 time form US rating. Outrageous numbers this early in the season for a three-year-old. Uh, let me know your thoughts about this race and any of these runners beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. Now let's pivot to Oldsmar, Florida. A decidedly slower race was the Tampa Bay Derby. Tampa Bay Derby race 11 down in Oldsmar on Saturday afternoon. Interesting race in that coming into it, the 8-5 to five favorite was Candyman Rocket. He had won the Sam F. Davis for Bill Mott, and he did so in, in solid enough fashion, but felt like there were always those lingering questions about how far does he actually want to go, what was the quality of the field that he ran against and defeated. Tampa Bay Downs is a, is a peculiar spot because sometimes you can see awesome horses deliver completely terrible performances, and you can see kind of subpar horses come through and, and absolutely shine. And it makes it a difficult handicapping puzzle to sort of decipher and put together. For this race on Saturday, you had a few different things go on, but the most noteworthy for me, and if you are curious about this race, oh, and I forgot about the other piece, the prep rating for the San Felipe. I've been giving ratings 1 to 10 for all of these derby preps. The San Felipe, I'm giving it a 10. I know, I know. A perfect score? Why? Well, I think you probably have an unbelievably talented racehorse, and I think he defeated a number of really good racehorses. Thus far, I think it's the best race that we have seen, and I think it will be the most critical going forward. It's a 10. I reserve the right to amend it in time. It's a 10, though, the San Felipe. This race that we're about to run, not a 10. The most fascinating piece for me is the number 10 horse, who is the winner, Helium, for Mark Cassie. Helium hadn't been seen since before Halloween of last year. He's He's gone for, let's call it six months. Maybe it's not quite. Maybe it's five. Whatever it is. And in a mile and a 16th race, he runs a mile and a quarter. This is him out here, toward the back of the pack with the purple hat on, Sort of uh, red body was the white diamonds. I mean, just, I would say bordering on an impossible trip. Outside of the fact that he ends up winning somehow. And I know I'm going to gloss over quite a bit of this. I know there was some some hurting and some traffic down on the front side. The reason I'm glossing over it is, I don't, I don't know how good this race actually is. I'm not going to tell you that you need to be going through and, and watching the tape 15 times to try to make trip notes out of it to think that you're going to find some diamond in the rough I think it is absolutely worth talking about the winner because this is not a trip that's supposed to work for anyone for him to be as wide as he was every step of the way every step of the way in his first start on dirt and his first start in what five five months and change I mean, th th there is something to be said about this. Despite the fact that he's not lighting the world on fire as far as the figs are going to be concerned, this is a really nice performance for this racehorse. Now, 
here's the piece that maybe you want to make note of. Hidden Stash looks like he's about one to five right here. He's going to go on and win by what? Three, four. And instead he ends up losing by three quarters of a length. Now, I look at this and say, I want to give credit to Helium. I also have to look at it realistically and say, Hidden Stash, you got you to be better than that, bud. If I'm going to take you seriously as a horse for this time of year anyway, for the Kentucky Derby and, and, and these sort of races, I think you got to do better than that. Now, fascinating pieces coming out of this. Hidden Stash, I would love to see race again because he's either a combination of a little on the green side, you know, maybe uh, an equipment change wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for this horse. You know, I go through and notice that they've never had blinkers on him. He's paired up career buyer tops of 83 now. Maybe you do get a forward move. Vicky Oliver and company are based in Kentucky. Wouldn't be a stunner to see this horse run in the bluegrass or, or something like that. I wouldn't mind to see blinkers on. That's just my opinion. My, you know, I, I'm not a horseman or a horsewoman. I, I don't know clearly that much of the game. I'm more about what does the tape say and what do the numbers say? Tape and numbers say he's a little quirky and he's slow. So let's try to wake him up with some blinkers. Just an idea, something to think about. But as is constituted, he's he's a horse that I just I don't I don't trust. And right now he's not nearly fast enough to be competitive with some of the better three-year-olds. The piece, though, with helium, again, I, I I can't help but be taken by the fact that he's a perfect three for three now. He won his first two starts sprinting on synthetic going seven-eighths of a mile. Won those both in blowout fashion, showed a little bit of early foot too, at least tactical speed. And in this race, I mean, I would challenge you to find a more a more ridiculous trip in which a horse succeeds. I mean, maybe given the circumstances, you're looking at, you know, the Arrowgate trip in the Dubai World Cup given the way that Maidan typically plays on the dirt and given the company that he was running against, I understand maybe the bulk of the field wasn't spectacular. He did beat Gunrunner. For him to win the way that he did there on what, what was seemingly an impossible trip, that that's an all-timer. But this here, uh, he's just not supposed to win this race. So again, it, it could be it could be a combination of two things or it could be one or the other. He ran against an absolutely dreadful field of racehorses, which I'm certainly not going to rule out. Or he ran an exceptional race and the number is going to be kind of compromised because it can't help but be given that he ran 10 furlongs in an eight and a half furlong race. Now, the old adage is there are no such things as trips in slow races. So if you prescribe to that idea and that theory... Well, the 84 is kind of the 84, and regardless of the fact that he, he, you know, actually was running in Tampa as opposed to Oldsmar, you know, that's that. I at least want to look at this horse. Oh, and the other piece is it doesn't sound like he's going to run again until the first Saturday in May. So this will be a this will be a horse who, as a three-year-old running against 19 other horses, will have run f- three times in his career. One time going around two turns and one time on dirt. I I think it's a monumental ask for a horse like this to do anything other than just sort of run around there. But having said that, if you are looking for a horse who, if you're somebody who likes a superfecta, and let's just say, let's just get the hypotheticals, right? I believe so far this is a very top-heavy group of horses, as far as the three-year-olds go. Let's say your top two to three positions in the race are going to be occupied by the chalks. So you don't have a great deal of value as far as your exacta goes or anything like that. You want to go to the trifecta, and unless you really think that there's somebody interesting underneath that can run third, it's still probably going to be more of those horses who have tactical speed that are that are just more talented and faster. But, but if you're playing a superfecta, or something along those lines in which to me the fourth slot in a mile and a quarter Kentucky Derby becomes much more about who can see that of the distance as opposed to who is more talented 
maybe a horse like Helium comes into play, who's going to be 35, 40 to 1, whatever it may be, in the Kentucky Derby. Maybe he's the kind of horse that, I mean, based on this race, I have no reason to believe that he's, he couldn't run 15 miles. Because, again, he, he... I wish the Trackist link that I was trying to click on would work. I don't even know if Trackist is still in business. But I tried to find out just how much extra ground he, he covered. But when I watched the tape the first time, I said, this horse can't possibly win. And sure enough, he does. So, 84 buyer. It's not a fast race. I don't think he's going to win the Kentucky Derby. I don't think he's going to threaten to win the Derby. But if you're somebody looking to play an extended gimmick, if you're looking at the Superfecta specifically, he's at least mildly intriguing, maybe underneath that, at a billion to one, to try to spice some things up, especially if you think that the top few spots, in all likelihood, are going to be more formful and, and, and rather chalky. I don't know that I love the idea of a horse running three times in his career, one time going two turns, one time on dirt before the first Saturday in May, but crazier things have happened, man. I do think that this clearly shows that he has some ability, though. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be the first Saturday in May. Helium, at 15-1, to 1, upsets the Tampa Bay Derby. From a prep rating standpoint, I gave the Sam F. Davis a three, the race in which Candyman Rocket won. By the way, Candyman Rocket finishes 11th in a field of 12th. I know he's had a bit of a trip in there, but point is, mm, not great. I'm going to give this race a three. I don't think this is going to have a dramatic effect on the outcome the first Saturday in May, if any at all. And if it does, in my opinion, it might be a helium. Um, and, and that's really about it. I would like to see an equipment change with Hidden Stash, and I'd like to see him run at least one more time before the Kentucky Derby, if that is indeed the goal. It also wouldn't bother me if the connections of Hidden Stash said let's pivot and look at something like the Preakness and let's get another run into him. Maybe it's not in the bluegrass or maybe it is. It's entirely, you know, whatever they see fit, but maybe it's a race like the Lexington where you then use that as sort of a springboard into the Preakness and maybe you catch some of the horses out of the Derby, you know, on a quick turnaround only two weeks later. But I think he needs some more experience and I would love to see him with blinkers next time out. Helium, 84 buyer winning this year's Tampa Bay Derby. I give it a three. Now we'll go north to a race that, in my opinion, is a derby prep in name only. Let's talk about the one-turn Gotham. Let's wrap up the derby portion of the recaps here this week with the Gotham. I, you know, I, I said it earlier, a derby prep in name only, in my opinion, simply because it's a one-turn mile. I mean, I, I don't really know what there is to glean from this in relation to a two-turn mile-and-a-quarter race or the ability to handle that sort of distance um, I'll let the tape run and we'll just kind of talk through it a little bit, but it, this is another one of those races where I'm not taking a great deal out of it. I suppose if you wanted to, it, it's more interesting to me for some of the other runners and, and perhaps, perhaps these horses turn into route runners and horses who want to go longer, whether it is crowded trade, whether it is highly motivated or, or freedom fighter, but, and I haven't even mentioned the winner Wayburn. But this is just a very odd placement for a race that does award points to the Kentucky Derby. I, I, I don't really fully understand it because it's this is you want to talk about apples to oranges. This is not anything that's really going to be applicable for the first Saturday in May, in my opinion. Neither here nor there. Freedom Fighter goes out to the front. The fractions, you know, again we've talked about it as well. Uh, Aqueducts surface this time of year can yield slower times. Um, 24 and 148 for the half, 12 and 4 for three quarters. Wayburn stalks throughout. Freedom Fighter will eventually be backing up. Here come Chad's horses rolling on the outside. First, you have Crowded Trade. Highly Motivated is trying to follow. But you see Javier's really getting after Highly Motivated, and it just doesn't seem like he's really responding immediately. For a moment, it looks like Crowded Trade's going to go off and win this thing for fun. And again, he is a very promising prospect. But I'm putting him at prospect only right now because he just has a lot to do and and this is part of my concern here is an inexperienced level that in my opinion this is him hanging because it looks like he should go right on by he doesn't you see how late Wayburn is to change leads he just went over right there to his right lead and he's going to rally back on the inside and get the job done by a nose earns a 95 buyer each of the top two do highly motivated the third place finisher in his return to the races from Breeders' Cup weekend last year earns a 92 buyer so you got 95s and a 92, Freedom Fighter earns an 87. But what does this really mean going forward? Again, I don't really know that it's going to have a dramatic impact on anything that we see for the first Saturday in May, at least for the Kentucky Derby. 
I think these are interesting horses. I know uh, Jimmy Jerkins, the trainer of Weyburn, has mentioned the possibility of the Belmont being the target as opposed to the Kentucky Derby. I also am under the impression, I could be wrong, somebody can correct me, that he is not Triple Crown nominated. So they would need to decide in the very near future if they want to do that. Um, but, you know, this is the sort of race that you combine the odd result, with a 50-1 to one shot winning, with the one-turn mile configuration, with what I'm going to call the the Derby division of New York and whatever you want to call this division of New York. Let's say post-Derby or or distance-limited horses, perhaps, that are going to be targeting other races in and around the Derby and the Preakness and the Belmont. I, I don't think this is going to have any real dramatic out dramatic effect on the outcome of the Kentucky Derby. I think as far as the two Chad horses go, I think they're both really interesting going forward. Highly motivated. I've never been the biggest fan. I know people rave about him. He's talented. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sit here and say he can't run. But I, he might end up being a nice Kings Bishop, or excuse me, H. Allen Jerkins type when it's all said and done, looking forward down the road. Maybe he's a Pat Day Mile kind of horse. I don't know. I don't see him as a proper router. Maybe they'll try it uh, in his second start off the bench. Maybe they'll try to get him some derby points. But I can't imagine it would be in New York, the same owner-trainer combo as risk-taking. And he's going to be going in the Wood Memorial. I think he's a deserving one of, if not the outright favorite for that race, risk-taking. So, you know, highly motivated, fine. Crowded trade to me is probably slightly more interesting. Again, I thought he hung his chance right there, but this was his first time against winners, first time going out to a, let's call it a route of ground. It was a one-turn mile as opposed to the three-quarter race that he ran in in his career debut, but still far too early to make a definitive statement on what he is or what kind of distances he wants. I don't think the distance got him beat. I just think he kind of hung. So maybe that'll be one that you want to keep an eye on going forward. But but as far as the Derby goes, I, I don't really see this race having any real impact. And therefore, I'm going to give it a one on a scale of one to ten. I think you may have some ability in this race, but I, I don't think as far as the Kentucky Derby and the prep races go, I don't think this is going to have any say on the Kentucky Derby. So I'm going to give this a 1 out of 10, not as an indication of what I think of the talent or the ability of any of these horses. I just don't think it's going to have any direct impact on the result for the Kentucky Derby. Let me know if you agree or disagree, what your thoughts are about the Gotham the Tampa Bay Derby, as well as the San Felipe. Now we'll wrap up episode 56 with a quick run through of the two grade ones out in Southern California, the San Anita Handicap, as well as the Kilroe Mile, and we'll button this thing up. All right, let's wrap up episode 56 with two quick hitters going back at the two grade ones at Santa Anita. I know there were other stakes races. I know there were other important events out there, but the two grade ones are the only other ones that I'm going to touch on. Uh, the grade one Kilroe Mile. Hit the road wins, defeats smooth like straight. They both earned 97 buyers. In the immediate aftermath, they said, well, maybe this is finally the year that the West Coast turfers are genuinely ones to, to be taken, you know, taken seriously on the bigger stage. But you see the fig, and I mean, these are, these are very consistent horses, specifically smooth like straight. It feels like he shows up, he's going to run... 95 to 98 as far as a buyer goes uh or maybe 95 to 97 if you will some of these other horses though you know hit the road i really thought coming out of that most recent start we were going to see a giant move forward and we didn't we saw a good effort but he had a perfect trip throughout took a nice smooth ride from florent Giroux down to the inside to find that seam and go on and kick on I'm not saying that this was a bad race but I also now, in hindsight, with a little bit of time and watching the tape a few more times, I don't love it either. Um, and if you are, if you really want to get into the weeds and the speed figure thing, and this is an instance where I will certainly side with, again, the fact that it's not as simple as the numbers, the number because of the time. You got to kind of get. There is some subjectivity to it because this race, a Grade One at a mile, which was run two races after an allowance race at a mile was considerably slower on the clock. Whisper not, stop the clock two races earlier in 33 and one, hit the road, stop the clock in 34 and two. So, I mean, we're talking about six lengths and hit the road earned a 97 and whisper not earned a 94. 
And at face value, you'd say, well, Whisper Not ran much, much faster. He must get a giant number. Well, then you have to start looking at it saying, well, how likely is it that Rip City improved his career best fig from an 85 to somewhere in the high 90 range? It's possible, but unlikely. You can say the same for Tripoli. Tripoli is a horse who, on his best day, is an 85 type. You know, did he really get into the low 90 range based on this effort? Tiberius, Mercurius, I suppose you can say the 75, you could have got him back up into the low 80 range where he typically has lived. But then these other horses, you're really trying to make a case that for being defeated by a pretty healthy margin. I mean, some of these horses, four, five, six, and seven, they, they were defeated by 10, 11 lengths. You're trying to make an argument that they actually improved what they typically do despite losing by a country mile. Seems unlikely. Conversely, you take a look at the Kilroy mile and you say, most of these horses, despite the fact that the clock didn't come back all that great, they usually are in the mid to high 90 range. Hit the roads, 97 makes sense. Smooth like straights does. Count Agains does. Flavius's does. Royal Ship does. Casa Creed, this makes sense. If anything, it's a bit of a regression for him. Uh, Ride a Comet didn't fire his best shot, nor did Spirit Animal. It kind of all makes sense. So this is an instance where, despite the fact, and it goes basically in direct contrast to what I was talking about earlier with a horse like Life is Good. That number, given the way everything else played out on the day, yes, it's a little bit aggressive, but it seems well within the realm of possibility. This situation with the allowance race compared to this grade one, it seems very unlikely that so many of those horses in that allowance race improved their numbers so dramatically in that they would have been among the contenders in a grade one. Doesn't seem likely, and I think that's why you look at a number like the 97 that hit the road and smooth like straight both earned and say, yeah, makes sense. And the 94 for Whisper Not, yeah, makes sense, despite the fact that he ran much faster on the clock. Um, the only thing I will throw in about this race specifically, smooth like straight, go back and watch the tape. Of all the times that I have watched him, I don't recall him being sort of, uh, I don't want to say unprofessional, but late with a lead change. He was very late in this race, and typically for a horse who was campaigned as pretty steadily as he was as a three-year-old, this was his first start since the end of December on opening day at Santa Anita. I would at least keep an eye on that and think long and hard next time out. He's got that beautiful tactical speed. It's always going to make him a player, but when they when they do something that they don't typically do, that's when you want to make a note of that and say something to keep an eye on because it could potentially mean we're trending the wrong direction. Count again, of all the horses in this race, he's the one I'm most interested in, I think, simply because, at least for the next start, long term, you can make an argument for a number of these horses. But for the next race, count again, coming off of that race that he was eased in, off of a lengthy layoff, for him to charge home the way that he did, if you break it down as far as uh, the Racing Forms Formulator product is concerned, um, he flashed home in 23-22. I mean, that's far and away the fastest come home time in the race. The only other one that was remotely close, you had Royal Ship in 22-50 and you had Spirit Animal in 22-65. I mean, it, he was motoring home for his first start off of a little bit of a layoff and the fact that there really wasn't a great deal of passing in this race. It was, it was pretty formful as far as where you were positioned on the turf. It's more or less where you held or you were making up a you know a length or two or, or vice versa, losing a length or two. Count again, flashed home in a big, big way. I, I would think he's going to be a threat wherever the connections choose to go with him next. And I could see him being successful out at a mile and an eighth. That does make me wonder a little bit. You know, Does a horse like Count again all of a sudden slot in to a race like the Turf Classic on the Derby undercard, as opposed to some of these other horses who they feel like more crack milers. Maybe count again. Maybe at heart he is a miler, but keep in mind he won that Sea Biscuit at a mile and a sixteenth. Maybe a horse like like Count Again is a one that you want to keep in mind, and maybe he could be looking at a race like that Turf Classic on the Derby undercard in a couple months' time. Uh, as far as the Grade One Sanity to Handicap is concerned, you know, I think Idol ran a good race. I think. He, you know, on the day, he was the best horse. And I liked Express Train in there, and I thought he just got beat on the square. I thought it was a good effort from him. Both of the top two earned 102 buyer speed figures. Uh, Maxfield, the third-place finisher, he has now paired up career buyer tops of 99. Independence Hall finishes fourth with a 98. Uh, and Tism Magician earns a 97, which 
Again, now you really want to start kind of splitting hairs here, or at least thinking bigger picture. Is it likely that Tis a Magician running fifth in this race ran the best race of his life? Possible. Likely? Mm, I don't know if I would say that. Now, maybe he has wanted a distance all along. He didn't get the lead, which has basically been his MO to run his best races. I think it's unlikely. Okay, well, if that's the case, excuse me, when we take a look and you see someone like Independence Hall, who I have always thought has distance limitations. I think he's a one-turn horse at heart. I would love them to turn him back. He ran credibly given that I don't think he wants any part of this distance. But he looked loaded, and if he had the ability to see it, he would have shot through and had a chance. And instead, he flattened out down the lane. Turn him back. The bigger piece is, what's the likelihood that he ran a 98, which is six points off his career best, which is a 104, which is another piece that we'll get to momentarily. If you took, let's say, let's say three to four points off. Well, then that all of a sudden brings him into the 93, 94 range, which is going to be on par with really what his best races have been. And again, in the grand scheme of things, nothing to sneeze at considering he's running at a distance that's too far for him. You take three or four points off of Tis a Magician at a 97, that gets you into the 93 range, which kind of is where he lives, 93-94. You do the same thing with a horse like Kiss Today Goodbye, who again, you know, outside of a couple of one-off performances seemingly, this was, uh, you know, a reasonable number. I'm not saying that this is a, a, a number that I'm, I'm really diving deep into. But the point is, for Idle and Express Train, Idle specifically, I mean, he, he improved his career best four points here. Express Train moved up a couple points. Maxfield paired up the 99s. I suppose you look at it and say Maxfield ran his race, and it just wasn't good enough. I don't know. I, I wonder if it's a little bit on the generous side. Uh, but the, the bigger piece, though, to take out of this race for me. Maxfield, I don't want to say he got exposed, but I think he is a fine older horse, and we'll leave it at that. I think Idol and Express Train are good older horses. I don't think they're superstars. Um, I do think this is a, a prime opportunity for either a fresh face for the older group or specifically these three-year-olds, because if these three-year-olds continue on the path that they've sort of set to start this 2021 campaign, I mean, they are all going to be heard from at some point against older horses. You may want to keep an eye on the Pegasus World Cup as a whole because now we've had five horses, six horses come out of it, including the two horses that went over to Saudi Arabia. And outside of Last Judgment, who won this past weekend in a stakes race at Tampa Bay Downs, the grade three challenger, he won with a 97 buyer. Outside of that, this has been a pretty putrid race. And for a grade one that, you know, is trying to sort of establish itself as, as an early, it's becoming more and more the Don handicap with a big purse than it is uh, any sort of a comp to the Breeders' Cup Classic or the Dubai World Cup or even the Saudi Cup. Because it just, it's, this, this field looks rough right now. Because you had Independence Hall come back and earned a 98 in that run on Saturday. He was your third place finisher. Nick's go, we know he finished fourth out there in Saudi Arabia. Sleepy Ice Todd finished fifth. Coastal Defense finished seventh in the big cap. Kiss Today Goodbye, sixth in the big cap. Last Judgment wins a grade three down at Tampa. Jesus's team will find out where he comes back. Code of Honor, any of these other horses. But the point is, thus far, I would think long and hard before I took a short price on any of these horses who ran in the Pegasus World Cup this year anyway. Maybe down the road, and again, you see good and bad versions of races every year. Sometimes they're brilliant, sometimes they're horrible. This one, I don't think this is going to be one for the uh, for the record book. And if it is, it's for all the wrong reasons, just because you have a bunch of horses that came back and didn't do any real running. So those are my thoughts on those two grade ones. Let me know if you have anything else to add in the comment section beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Please follow me over there as well. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. And again, if you want to be part of the Friday feature next week, 
And again, on next Monday's show, the idea is to get the two individuals who we highlighted at the top of the show, hopefully to get them involved. You got to email me at bernier.matt89 at gmail.com. Those two individuals, plus anyone who wants to be part of the show next week, next Monday, all you need to do beneath the video player, write Friday feature. I'll do a random draw with the old Google machine. We'll fire up the random number generator, whoever it is, it is. I'll contact you and we'll get something set up. Uh, but any other comments, questions, all those sort of things, leave them down there as well, because I do go through and read it all. And I'm very curious to hear what folks have to say, good, bad, or indifferent. For all of the content, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you're somebody audio only, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com, number of places to find it. Again, if you're on YouTube, search Bar Matt Bernie or show, you get this episode along with the 55 prior. Until next Monday's show, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 56 of the Matt Bernie or show. <laughs>